that's also um, a good thing to help identify your sharp edge as an artist. So you want to think about, you know, cultural communication, your just being self-awareness, self-aware in general, and then also just getting marketplace feedback. Those things help hugely. It's easy to get lost in today's music industry with constantly changing technology and where anyone with a computer can release their own music. But I'm going to share with you why this is the best time to be an independent musician and it's only getting better. If you have high quality music, but you just don't know the best way to promote yourself so that you can reach the right people and generate a sustainable income with your music, we're going to show you the best strategies that we're using right now to reach millions of new listeners every month without spending 10 hours a day on social media. We're creating a revolution in today's music industry, and this is your invitation to join me. I'm your host, Michael Walker. All right, so Sean Taylor is also known as Brandman. He's a music branding and marketing expert who's uh, written three books on the topic that I've sold extensively. His book, Master Music Branding, is considered an expert guide to an artist's image and master music networking online. The Fitness Guide to Music Industry Connections contains tips and tricks that help you to create long-lasting connections and friendships in the industry. I mean, it's, you've heard it so much to this point that it probably feels a little cliche, but it's cliche because it's true that, you know, it's really so much of the music industry is about who you know and your ability to create connections and to network. Mm -hmm. And so I think that this is a topic that uh, is super, super valuable. And it's great to, to be able to talk with someone that, you know, is, is so great, generous and gracious enough to come on here to share some of his insights and lessons that he learned. So... Sean, thanks so much for taking the time to be here today. Yeah, for sure, man. I, I'm glad to be here. Always interested to hear what people are interested in and help however I can. And the relationships thing, I know so many people, I, it, it, sound, it seems so exclusive, right? And I try not to go towards this conspiratorial, you know, or planning against or classism version of it and just look at it simply if you don't have relationships where like people don't know you right if i hear an opportunity about like i meet an artist who say they want to build some funnels and monetize their funnels i'm going to say oh i know michael and them guys do that it's just who i know right so a lot of it is just truly understanding that there's no other way for people to even have you on, on top of mind if you aren't out there under the specific brand too because you can very well do it, but I know you for something else. We might play soccer together or something, right? Mm. So that's that's how I try to approach it for any of you guys who are like struggling with that part of the industry still. Mm. Absolutely, that's that's so smart. That yeah, it really starts with awareness, right? If you don't have awareness, then yeah, you can't take that next step because people don't even know there's an opportunity or even know that you exist, right? Exactly. Cool. So maybe you could do a quick introduction for anyone here who this is their first time connecting with you or meeting you. Could you share a little yeah. bit about yourself and kind of how you got, how you became the the brand man? The becoming of brand man. I, so I started long, long ways back. I was in, doing computer science. So I started off as a programmer, then moved more into music industry, not music industry, the uh, startup tech industry and shifted mm -hmm. more towards sales and marketing. During this time, I'm helping some friends who always looked at me as not entrepreneurial and they and they were artists, they were DJs, and they also were some interesting personalities. So one guy named Grilled Cheese Poppy, another guy named Young Juice God, Grilled Cheese Poppy actually made grilled cheeses and that was his thing. He was like hmm. a, a figure. So they needed 
help in terms of events because their whole idea was let's create events around Atlanta that bring people out and we're and, and market us, sell our products, show them our music. Your, the DJs are going to DJ at the party. The artists are going to perform. The juice guy is going to sell his juice and grilled cheese probably is going to sling grilled cheese, right? And throw them <laughs> off the stage like a rock star. So we're creating these events and they were really, really unique events. And then I decided to, but they were all spearheaded by each of them individually. So it was almost like taking turns. What do you want to do? And let's do that. What do you want to do? Let's do that. And when they kind of all ran their, their, their race in terms of their ideas, and they kind of looked at me like, hey, Sean, anything you want to do? Like, no. I was the behind the scene guy. I, 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 did, I didn't know. I, I never thought about it, anything. So when I did think about something, I wanted to create a really cool festival because I've been to so many events where people say, hey, I'm tired of the clubs and I want to go to these artsy events. And then the artsy events, after you go to them a couple of times, you realize it's just a club with art on the wall. Like the interaction was still very stale, right? Not communal, which for me, if you want to truly get people to associate themselves with your brand and, and, and look at it positively, then the event itself, right? It's not so much, let's just come hear me perform. It's how can I create an environment that they'll remember? Uh, now, we know that he's gone through quite a few things lately, but Travis Scott was very good at that for his audience and his particular niche that liked him, right? It's an environment. So what I did was create a festival that brought all of them together, but it was on a far bigger scale. Every single event felt like a completely different energy, a rave room in the basement. You go down and smoky. It was a, a, a high what, what, what do you call it? Not high tier. Upper class art gallery feel in another room, white walls, all that stuff. Another room that was inside, but it felt like outdoors because we put grass on the floor and trees and plants. And you had artists that matched all the vibes of those things in, in that room, right? If you're the rave type artist, you're in that room and people could switch vibes. And then we open up this really big surprise glow party at the end. So that was this really cool concept that took off because the product itself was great. People wanted me to do it again. And it also gave us me a vehicle to really use my marketing skills on a level that I hadn't. And through that, bringing in probably 20, 30 artists each time, my name started to build where more artists wanted me to help them. And I had never been looking for that. I was still like not looking at the music industry for money. Um, large reason for you guys like existing, like just knowing that it's hard to make money in music. And I had had a personal experience where my brother, and he had never, he's older than me by quite a bit. And he, like, we don't have the relationship where we just share everything and we always know everything that's going on. And I found out by going on his website that he had like been Grammy nominated being a part of his project, right? And I was like, what? But then I also knew the life that he was living. And it wasn't that life that you would associate with a Grammy when you're coming up younger and just hear, oh, great. You know, it wasn't that. So I had that broken for me before I was even thinking about going to the music industry. It kind of kept me away from the music industry. Right. <laughs> right? It was like, something's not right over here. And, but organically having that experience and the amount of people that started to really ask me things it forced me to like at least help because I loved it so much as far as the actual music aspect. And then eventually I said, let me create a YouTube page. So I don't have to answer all these questions one-on-one -on -one. here, just watch this video. And from that experience, once the YouTube page started, people liked it. 
Uh, some people I really respected gave me some great feedback on it. And then we were off to the races after a year, we were 23,000 subscribers. Now it's around 112,000 subscribers kind of peeled off. But in that YouTube process is where the name brand man came on. It's like, Hey, I'm, I'm telling people advice about branding and everything. Maybe I should actually brand myself because it's, t- it's starting to actually move. I was just, it was just Sean Taylor. Uh, <laughs> and, you know, I didn't really expect much of it at the beginning, but as it um, grew, I had to become m- more methodical about how I looked at everything and packaged everything. The, and, um, uh, the skin, the skin was shut off the snake and you yeah. reemerged as, as the brand. There you, there you go. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> but that was awesome. the process. You know, there's a lot more that's happened since then, but that was the, the initial process of my getting into the industry. Mm, super cool. Yeah, that's that's awesome. And it's great that, you know, that you really had kind of a grassroots uh, approach of, of experience of like learning how, you know, how to create a successful brand and putting the event the event together. And it sounds like really even like the, or- the YouTube channel came together really organically, right? It just, it was born out of the needs of musicians yep. and, and helping to serve them, which is very cool. 112,000 subscribers is really impressive. It's awesome. I, I, I feel like part of what you described too is it was such an important realization that you mentioned that you were able to have early on, which was this disconnect between the the dream or like the image of the Grammy award winning you know or Grammy nominated yeah. uh, artist versus like their lifestyle and you know financial financially, which is kind of a sobering thought when you think about it. Sometimes the most successful artists that you would think you know they'd be set forever, they end up going bankrupt or they end up like having a, a lifestyle that's like really they're suffering. Like they're suffering even though you would think, man, this person should be so successful. Yeah. Um, and I know like. You know, in our in our community, we just gave out our first you know seven figure musician award to to one of our artists, and he's not like someone who you know is uh, a household name that everyone would like recognize. But it's, you know, he made seven figures in the past year with his with his music, and yeah, I think it's it's nice to kind of break that assumption where it's like you know um, thinking that the only way to have a viable music career, a sustainable music career, is to have millions of fans. You know that you know if you're able to to really offer something valuable and you have a good you know business uh understanding and you're good at the branding and you know kind of what you stand for then you know those things can go a long ways you don't necessarily have to be a name brand you know musician in order to be successful exactly that's that's it awesome so let's dive in a little bit to uh you know you're the you're the brand man so you've got you've got some some you know, really solid ex- experience around creating brands and kind of seeing what are the biggest mistakes or the common challenges that artists are struggling when it comes to creating a successful brand for their music. So what do you say are some of the, the most common mistakes or like the biggest challenges that you see artists struggling with when it comes to honing in their brand? Biggest challenge is trying to do too much at once, trying to create and communicate your whole self up front, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody wants to be seen as substantial, multifaceted, not a monolith. Mm-hmm. However, you have to start somewhere and make a connection and you peel back more over time, right? Because you mess around and do too much, then everything is abstract and there's nothing clear and concise for me to point out and remember, right? Mm-hmm. You don't go on a date and tell them all of yourself, right? Your entire story at the beginning. It wouldn't probably wouldn't turn to, out too well, right? Mm-hmm. So don't confuse people find a narrative and stick with that let them see you one way you're i know you're afraid of the box but 
let them put you in a box because that's just human nature. That's how we remember things, right? Mm-hmm. Like you, every relationship you have started with a single box and then you got to know more about them, right? If you have a sister, she's your sister, that's a box, but then you now know more about her because of the relationship that got built over time. So if you have confidence in your ability to have a career and not just some kind of short-term, you know, strike in the wind, then know that you'll have that time to show more of yourself, build out more of um, what you have going on. Even if you might still be doing these things, these other things aside might continue to exist on the back end is just, but when do I introduce this thing? That's the branding process, right? I mean, being strategic about what level and sometimes this domino helps that level happen more succinctly. Sometimes if you get known this way first, it makes it very hard to make all these other things happen, right? (laughs) So that's um, more of what you should be focused on. Where do I wanna start, all right? And if I have multiple things that I'm already thinking about, which one of these things should I start with? That that's a that's so smart. Yeah, as like an initial starting point of really figuring out. It sounds like what you're saying is what you really want to do is kind of figure out your sharp edge, right? If you, you need to puncture the thick layer of people's attention threshold nowadays, or it's kind of hard to like cut through the noise. So you have to figure out like what is that sharp point that's going to allow you to kind of cut through initially, and then you can kind of expand it. But what it reminds me of is when I was starting Modern Musician. You know, I. With Paradise Fears, we had a YouTube channel that had about 24 million streams and, and we had toured for about 10 years. And you know, we went from like at the beginning living in our van, sleeping in Walmart parking lots to like eventually you know, go- going on tour. And I didn't know what the box was. And I think this is maybe a good question that we could we could lead into is like identifying like how do, how do you identify that that sharp edge for, for me, like initially what ended up happening, it was, was through conversations. It was through conversations and like connecting with a lot of people and sharing the story where I just didn't, I didn't really feel like I was that unique. Right. I, I think part of the challenge is like, I felt like, you know, I was just like, I didn't have anything that was that special about me or that, that unique. But yeah. then when I was telling the story, there's basically one story or there's one bit that people are always like, wow, like that's really interesting or that's crazy. And it was always when I was telling the story about tour hacking. So when we like walked up to strangers mm-hmm. waiting in lines for shows and like met them, that was like the story that, that kind of people's ears perked up. And they're like, wow, that's really interesting. And like you're saying, like that was, that kind of became the box that I was like, okay, like, I guess this, maybe this is my box for now. And so I like created a tour hacking workshop and I kind of like leaned into that and then it expanded and it grew to be a lot more, you know, to be more all encompassing, but it really did start, like you're saying with that sharp edge. And that was the thing that was kind of like that distinguished it. So for anyone who's maybe struggling they're a little bit early on and they're and they're wondering what is my sharp edge or and they or they feel like like I felt where it's like oh I, there's nothing really that unique about me or I'm not that special like what is it that how can I really compete with xyz what would your advice be for them to kind of get started well the first thing is what you said right you just get marketplace feedback mm-hmm. right just see what other people find interesting let's see what other people naturally gravitate towards that's one thing. And then also self-awareness. What is your skill set actually? Some people are like, oh, I'm I have no genre, but you probably do one genre better than another. All right. Mm. Especially with the resources you have at this apparent time, this particular time, right? Because you might have, you know, genres have have 
multiple facets to it, right? The, the the production has layers. You might be really good at the drums necessary for this drama, but suck at the keys or the melodies, right? So it's no way, right, that you're really, really good and thorough at all of these things on a high level. So if you aren't the type of person who really can tell, then maybe you do need some feedback on that as well, right? If you don't just naturally know, I, I do this one a lot better. Um, mm. And then as an artist as well, even thinking culturally, where do you connect and how do you connect first? A lot of that might come from your actual experience, right? Um, mm. like look at somebody like Taylor Swift. She connected through country first, right? She's a pop star, right? You look at somebody like Beyonce, it was like the R&B girl group first slash pop, right? And, and she took that journey. You look at somebody like Miley Cyrus, who didn't have to connect as deeply. She, you know, she did country, but let's... Let's use Miley Cyrus, Selena Gomez. They didn't necessarily have to go genre specific as specific first and could go quicker into pop because they had the Disney Channel audience they were already building off of, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, where can you connect culturally first? Because you have an understanding about a certain audience and then it helps obviously if you have an audience that already knows you in that area. But where can you connect it culturally first? Because you already understand the language that they, that they speak. That's also um, a good thing to help identify your sharp edge as an artist so you want to think about you know cultural communication your just being self-awareness self-aware in general and then also just getting marketplace feedback those things help hugely all right let's take a quick break from the podcast so i can tell you about a free special offer that we're doing right now exclusively for our podcast listeners so if you get a ton of value from the show, but you want to take your music career to the next level, connect with a community of driven musicians and connect with the music mentors directly that we have on this podcast. Or if you just want to know the best way to market your music and grow an audience right now, then this is going to be perfect for you. So right now we're offering a free two week trial to our music mentor coaching program. And if you sign up in the show notes below, you're going to get access to our entire music mentor content vault for free. The vault's organized into four different content pillars. The first being the music, then the artist, the fans, and last but not least, the business. When you sign up, you'll unlock our best in-depth masterclasses from a network of world-class musicians and industry experts on the most cutting-edge strategies right now for growing your music business. On top of that, you'll get access to our weekly live masterminds where our highest level modern musician coaches teach you exactly what they're doing to make an income and an impact with their music. Then once a month, we're gonna have our Music Mentor Spotlight series. And that's where we're gonna bring on some of the world's biggest and best artist coaches and successful musicians to teach you what's working right now. And one of the most amazing parts is that you can get your questions answered live by these top level music mentors. So a lot of the people that you hear right here on the podcast are there live interacting with you personally. So imagine being able to connect with them directly. On top of all that, you'll get access to our private music mentor community. And this is definitely one of my favorite parts of Music Mentor and, and maybe the most valuable is that you're going to have this, this community where you can network with other artists and link up, collaborate, ask questions, get support, and discuss everything related to your music career. So if you're curious and you want to take advantage of the free trial, then go click on the link in the show notes right now and you can sign up for free. Uh, from there, you can check out all of the amazing content, uh, connect with the community, and sign up for the live masterclasses that happen every week. This is a gift for listening to our podcast, supporting the show. Um, so don't miss it out. Go sign up for free now and uh, let's get back to our interview. Mm, absolutely. Yeah, that's that, that makes a lot of sense. And especially you know, the, the idea of like of cultivating self-awareness. You know, that's something that I think in terms of branding or what we're talking about right now is, 
you know, game changing, but also just in terms of like being a good human being or, or like, you know, growing like personal growth, self-awareness is such a yep. you know, valuable trait to develop. So maybe we could dig a little bit into that. Like, like, do you have, it, it's a little bit of a broad idea, you know, like self-awareness, but I'd I'd love to hear any ideas or, or thoughts or exercises that you found have been really helpful for an artist who's, you know, here right now to be able to cultivate more self-awareness, both just in general mm-hmm. for like their life, but then also for their brand. Well, the first thing isn't extremely artist specific, but I think it's a great stand, uh, starting point in general. Mm-hmm that builds the muscle. And that's understanding that you can be impacted, all right? Uh, A lot of times we like to move in this notion that this is my identity, this is who I am. I think everything that I think because of that's just who I am, right? But when you start to realize marketing is constantly happening, this is how I became such a good marketer, right? It's like, you understand, you can start saying, well, why do I think this? Why, do I, why am I making this decision? Right? And the more aware that you become of those things, the decisions that you're making, instantly you start to become far more self-aware because you start to think about your own actions and what happens naturally, what happens organically. That's the first place that I think just helps across the board. Now, from there, um, just getting more artist-specific, is also understanding that your fee, you have to be able to shed the identity and, and, and an idea that you're not in a process. And I think sometimes a lot of people can be naturally just more self-aware of their, where they are in their craft if they don't take it so personally. I understand mm-hmm. as an artist, you creating the product and in many ways being the product, it's hard mm-hmm. not to take things personally. But if you look at yourself as like, this is where I am now, but this isn't who I am, right? Mm-hmm. It becomes a lot easier to say, okay, yes, I'm not good at this. Because that's the hardest level I, I've seen when it comes to self-awareness is just really saying this isn't a good song or my skill <laughs> isn't there yet. That's that's where most of it comes from, from artists. Like more than anything, once you get over that hump, a lot of the other stuff is easy. I can help like objective exercises to like, help you find your brand. Like or I can say, instead of who do you sound like? A lot of artists don't like that idea. I don't sound like anybody. Da, da, da. Come on. You can say, oh, who would be somebody that you would go on tour with or who has an audience that you think would like your music, right? There's ways you can work around that from a branding standpoint, but that's not actually solving the problem. So what I was hoping to kind of do with those two approaches is just make sure you start instilling the muscle of being able to think how you think and why you think and understand that you don't have to have such a knee-jerk reaction to a lot of the feedback that might come your way. So you can continue to think and look at yourself objectively because that's all that comes comes down to looking at yourself objectively. Mm-hmm. That's so good. Yeah, I love uh, how we're bringing it back to the, the the snake shredding, shredding the skin. But it's <laughs> it's so true. I mean- the ability to objectively see things, you know, as as they are, but also to have the ability to sort of separate your identity from an idea, like to be able to. See, it sounds like what you're saying is is that uh, a really valuable 
skill set is to you know develop self-awareness and to create a bit of separation between the idea of who you are and even your brand right the brand sort of reflects who you are but it's not necessarily who you are and there actually is a lot of freedom in that because you get to decide you know who you want to be and you're not necessarily limited by mm -hmm. the ideas that you they used to think that you are because um, right, it's it's like you're really deciding who you want to be to other people, right? Mm -hmm. the, the actual self-development has to take place to, you know, to start in terms of deciding who you want to be. But even without being that person, you can make yourself that person to other people, right? How long that lasts due to who you actually are is a whole other story. But <laughs> like it's really branding is that process. Nobody's ever going to understand who you are. When you look in the mirror, right, they're not going to see the same thing that you see. All right. And you're not going to see what they see. But what you can do is control what they see as much as possible. And that's the branding. Mm, super interesting. Yeah. It, it seems like a lot of the conversation is around identity, like around identity and what is identity. Right. And like you said, yep. who we are to ourselves is different than who other people see us as. And it's just a fascinating question. It's like, yeah, what what is what is identity overall? But one thing that I feel like is a, a, a challenge or, or something that I hear come up a lot, and, and I know I think this is just something that as like human that comes up is this feeling of I don't know imposter syndrome or this feeling of when let's say that someone is becoming intentional about their identity and their brand mm. and they have goals for their music and they're like, this right. is my this is the brand that I want to have. This is who I want to be, but inside. There's a piece of them that feels like I, I'm I don't deserve it or I'm not that person yet or that like their ident mm -hmm. their old identity that <laughs> they need to shed the skin or like it kind of comes up right the, the imposter syndrome. So how how would you you know recommend that someone you know who's kind of on the path towards an, a brand or an identity that they it's a goal but you know maybe they're not they don't feel like they're quite there yet they're feeling some imposter syndrome or tension kind of come up fear how how can they process that. A big part of that is focusing on who you want to become and look at yourself as in process of becoming that mm. versus this is who I am, right? <laughs> and because the moment you feel like you're, you feel yourself communicating, this is who you are, you can never hide from that reality in the back of your head that you aren't that. That's when you're going to feel that tension. And we've all felt that at some point, right? And you get out of that alignment. And it's a stressful, like, you know, I feel like so many things in terms of our personal like issues that we have mentally are usually just a gap between where we are and where we want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Or how we see ourselves or, or our value system and our, you know, uh, detachment from what, our, what we feel like our value system is, right? It's like the person who steals something, but then their values is against stealing and now they're in this conflict, right? So I think is if you focus on this is who you uh, like, what you're becoming and not telling yourself that you're already there and pretending you're going to be there. Cause that whole, you know, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here, I'm here and fake it till you make it is, is very difficult of a process. Right. And for those of you who might have one of those brands where you have to spend a lot of money just to appear that way, that's also even, even double down more difficult because it's a lot more superficial. But if you just focus on the process of, of becoming, and I think it's so necessary. It's one of those weird things that I hate talking about sometimes because of the fluffy nature of it. But I found it time and time again when they say you kind of you have to be that person. This is this is what I feel like the fake it till you make it like became like 
uh, what's, what's the word, distorted in messaging. I think it, it started probably from the place that you actually do have to become the type of person to achieve that thing, to achieve that thing, truthfully, mm. right? You have to execute, right? And th- those actions consistently to get there. So mm. that's what I would be focused on, right? You know, like, this is where I want to go. These are the actions that it takes to get here. And I'm just in that process. And I, th- I know it's a little bit more difficult when it's something, again, so attached to you, where you might, from a business standpoint, look at I'm a, this is a product. We want to get to a million dollars, or we want to get to two million dollars, and these are all the actions that have to take place to do it. But it might not take you dressing a certain way, carrying um, out uh, certain actions, or dancing a certain way, having a certain personality. But that's when it it is necessary to just be able to step back, look objectively, and tell yourself that you're on a journey. Uh, you are on a journey. Mm-hmm. That's so good. <laughs> I, I love conversations like this. And yeah, I, I think you're right that there is like, it can sometimes, you know, it's easy to kind of be fluffy or, or whatnot. But at the same time, I, I feel like this topic, this conversation is actually the foundation or like this is at the root, like the idea of like identity and assuming the identity, becoming the person. Jared mentioned, you know, focus on the process of becoming. Yeah, that's that's super good. And yeah, it's almost like becoming, deserving, like, you know, becoming, like seeing yourself as that person as, and, and I think that, yeah, the way you described it is a really helpful guideline to how someone can use the process of, you know, quote unquote, fake it till you make it, but in a way that's more authentic, that it's not like you're pretending to be something that you're not, but you acknowledge that, you know, I'm in a process of transition and my goal is this, I'm becoming that person and I'm, you know, improving, I'm shedding my skin, <laughs> I'm shedding this, the stink skin so I can become that person. Yeah. yeah. And just the, reminds me of a quote from one of my, one of my mentors. And this is a quote that he said like in passing, or he wasn't even like, he was just like wisdom dropping off of the, the fruit tree, <laughs> but he said something like, you know, if you don't pretend to be perfect, then you don't have to be. And that, there's something about that that just really resonated with me. I'm like, oh yeah, like you know, we don't. If you don't pretend to be perfect, then you don't have to be. So acknowledging that yep. you're imperfect, you're a flawed human, but you're doing your best, right? And you might make mistakes, but you're willing to learn from the mistakes. Like that's really all you can really ask of a human being is that that they show up like that and they're willing to learn, but they're willing to acknowledge that they're not perfect. And the, then there's this weight that's lifted, the relief of you don't have to be something that you're not or hold up an appearance. I get that personally, man. Like as a super brain conscious person, right? I leave imperfection, trails of imperfection <laughs> intentionally <laughs> just so I know, cause I know what it's like. It's, it's, I did an early video very early on um, in my YouTube channel talking about, you know, Miley Cyrus went into this phase that was completely adverse to what people had known her for. Right. Mm. And you saw that with a lot of artists who grew up as like, you know, young women in the industry became like pretty popular early on because they're trying to break out of that that mold. Right. Because mm. once you're in that box, it's a pretty, you know, it, it's pretty tight <laughs> in that box. Right. Mm. So the extremity helps create room. You know, it brings back this equilibrium you see years later. She's like more back in, a, you know, more normal, but she, she has the flexibility to move around, go in any direction. It's like being a pastor, right? There's a lot of things that we can do that we might not even, like they might not even be great things and people might not even think that they're great or be mad at us for it, but it's nowhere the level of anger that would be associated with a pastor doing it, right? So it, because of the the perfection associated with that position. So right. you definitely create 
like you have the ability to create this space and be aware that you're constantly creating the space that you'll be able to move within by how you approach things. So good. Awesome. So this is probably a good time. Anyone who's here right now, if you have any questions or you'd like to submit something for, for us to have a conversation around or a question for Sean, then feel free to use the Q&A box at the bottom. And I see we had a question come in from Jennifer Draper. who said, well, actually, you know what? Do you mind if I say something first? Yeah, go for it. Because you asked that question specifically about the imposter syndrome. Mm. I think a lot, a lot of us, when we're going through this process, it's, it's layered, right? So you even get into the idea of this is what I'm becoming. I'm putting these, I'm doing these actions. I'm acting in a certain way so I can achieve this certain goal. And you want to have the imposter syndrome to deal with, but then there's this other idea of I'm so far away from what I want to achieve, mm-hmm. but I have been doing these things, right? Mm-hmm. And I like, ha- so it makes the imposter sy- syndrome amplify. It's like, I've been mm-hmm. doing this for a year and I'm so far away. And one thing I really love, Grant Cardone say this, I know, I know he's a polarizing figure, but for some people, but that one concept he has is 10, it talks about um, the 10X concept. The first time I ever heard him talk about it, because now it's, it's, it's a little bit more diluted. You never really have him talk about the context behind it, but it was just this idea that to achieve something, because he had never done it before, he didn't, he didn't realize how much effort it took. So really the 10X level of effort was oftentimes just to make sure he hits the goal that he wants in his mind because he never knew what it took to re- actually reach that goal because it's hard to know that like how many times do we start a, a journey and it takes us two years to hit that number or do whatever then and we thought we were going to do it in three months right mm-hmm. or six months because we did some math and said if i you know run this many ads to <laughs> that, that hit this many numbers and you work the funnel right, so like keep that in mind as well that if you're in a space where you're feeling the imposter syndrome and you, but you feel like you've been doing so many of the right things, it's oftentimes a lot of like, yeah, but you're new to it. So you don't know what it takes. It's not you and your ceiling and you're just not worthy or deserving. It's, it probably takes more effort than you actually think. That's a, that's a really important point. Yeah. So, so it sounds like what you're saying is that one roadblock or one like obstacle that we can run into is maybe call it like comparisonitis or you're kind of feeling yeah. like you you should be further along than you are right now uh, based on the fact that you've been doing something already and, and you're not quite at the goal yet. Or I, I think it's pretty common, especially in our industry to like look at the most successful people who have millions or hundreds of millions of streams and just feel like, man, I can never reach that or I'm not good enough because I'm not talented enough. I can't have that comparison either. So maybe, yeah, maybe we could talk a little bit about that idea, just like coming to peace with like the, I guess you could kind of link it back to what you talked about, about the process, right? The process of becoming and not recognizing that you're on your own journey, you're on your own path. And, you know, you don't necessarily have to compare yourself to someone who's like, you know, a hundred steps ahead, unless it motivates you or inspires you. Yeah. What are your thoughts around like comparisonitis or just like that, that. Well, one, I, so I'm the type of person, like I've always had a personal quote that like when, when somebody's winning, right. The, the haters will, the losers envy other people winning and winners get inspired by other people winning. Right. Mm. 
Yes. I see somebody win big and I'm like, yo, that makes me win. I don't want what they want necessarily, but I just want to win big at what I do. I could watch a ballerina, you know, do something at the maximum level of her craft. And I'm like, yo, that was beautiful. I want to go kill it. Right. Mm-hmm. So like, that's one part, thing that I feel like people should have mentality wise and it helps. Right. So you don't down yourself. But the biggest thing is well, well, is you have to have something in addition to that. Cause if you're a big dreamer, you know, you can be in those clouds. If you're just looking at them, too long right? and you don't have any other context i don't think there is a way not to start to feel bad about yourself <laughs> i just don't think you have to like I, but i think you should look at those people to let you know how far you can go and what's possible all that stuff but you have to have some kind of context so that's where we talk about the clarity of breaking down your goals into smaller uh, micro tasks also getting mentorship other people to give you feedback to just say hey man no, that's not what it takes, right? It takes this much, right? Finding those people who have who have actually done it, right? So then if you aren't achieving, those people can tell you, it's like, you're, you're doing the right stuff that you aren't achieving. The only thing left is actually your music, right? Because you're doing all the right things marketing-wise, you're spending the amount of money and your conversions just aren't looking good on that end, right? Or you're using the wrong platform and, or all those things, right? So you have to have, when you, it's... I guess it, the, the comparison-itis in some ways gets solved by more comparison, right? Which is just context, more things to compare to. And then of course you do still have to have your your internal, your, your internal navigation system if you're spiritual. And and yeah, I think I think that that's what it comes down to, right? Full, getting, getting fuller context. So you're not comparing yourself to the artist who has 10 people on their team, but you just see them. So you think it's you versus them and it's not you versus them. <laughs> it's you versus a team. And, and then you just also understand what actions it really takes by the feedback of mentors, other people who are, are doing it, plus your own real world experience that you build. Mm. That's really good. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And I, and I feel like it's something that isn't always fully uh, appreciated about comparisonitis is that like that it actually can be a positive thing or it can it can actually be really useful it can be like i think probably the people who ultimately are the people who've like become the most successful in their craft they probably were just the ones who are willing to have comparisonitis for the longest were willing to feel the discomfort of like of seeing like the to a point that they were finally like you know i think we do tend to become like the five people that we surround ourselves with the most right so if you but Mm -hmm. but it creates it, it probably creates a certain level of discomfort if you're surrounding yourself with someone who's super successful and is just like you're at the top of their game then there is this discomfort that comes from looking inside and being like well if they can do it why am i not doing it right and that discomfort i think in a lot of ways if you're willing to kind of like lean into it and stick with it can be something really motivating that like you're talking about you just intentionally look at it and and say am i feeling like inspired by this is this moving me to take like positive action or is this something that that i feel envious or jealous and if so then it might be worth a little bit of inner reflecting and and noticing that be like hmm like maybe i can shift that around maybe i like how why am i seeing that as bad oh it's because i feel like there's not enough like or i feel like them being do i feel like other people being successful is somehow limiting my own ability to be successful and if Mm -hmm. so Whew, like that that's a that's a heavy that's that's a heavy weight and it's, it's gonna make it way way more difficult to be successful because there's gonna be that kind of like that scarcity like contracting like you know me 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 as opposed to 
being genuinely happy for other people's success. And therefore it's just easier to lean into your own success because you don't have to worry as much about making other people um, feel bad when you, when you're being successful. Exactly. I I literally just stopped listening to a radio show that I listened to last week, or at least, you know, we'll see how long it it stops, but (laughs) maybe I'm I'm definitely going to do it in far, far quieter, uh, smaller doses and, be mindful because I started to notice a pattern. One of the, the women on the show has this really negative perspective on like people who have money. And it's not even a show about like money, but whenever people have money and oh, I hate rich people and things like that. And I just didn't want that in my spirit. You know, I just didn't want that in my spirit because I know what that kind of programming does mm-hmm. over time. So mm-hmm. that I, I truly believe and like and live off of what you said. Mm. So, so powerful. This is some great stuff, man. I mean, we're like diving into the, the, I mean, it makes sense. You're, you're the brand man, but let's, let's dig into, we have a decent amount of questions here in the chat, so we can go through the questions in order. And if you guys have any more questions, feel free to put them in the Q and a box and we'll start uh, going in order that they came in. So Jennifer Draper asked, have you ever had to deal with an alter ego, always setting an example as one person, but having more depth holding back? Interesting. So I wonder, I'm not sure if I fully understand the question, but it sounds like Jennifer, maybe you're saying as like a musician or as an artist, is it okay to like have a brand or an alter ego that's not really you, but it's but it's like a different face to it? Is that, is that what you're asking, Jennifer? Mm-hmm. Maybe we can actually circle back to this question. So after Jennifer, you have an ex- a chance to explain. We can go to a different question for now and then kind of come back to it. Cynthia asked, thanks for acknowledging that there's someone that's aware where we're at in our music career, even if we're still in a box till it's time to come reach our goals. Okay, another example of a question that wasn't really, wasn't really a question. Here we go. Here, I think that this one's a question. Uh, Jonathan asked, I wrote a handful of songs in the late 90s, uh, became self-employed and stored and sold cars. I see the value in used items. I believe the platform is encouraging, motivating people. How would you describe a comeback in one or a few words? Okay, so let me see if I can dissect this question, Jonathan. So you have a handful of songs you wrote in the late 90s, and now you're kind of like, like you want to use those songs and launch those now and you're wondering what's is you're wondering what's the best way to kind of get back into my music career after having been out of it since the 90s is is that right Jonathan how would you describe a comeback in one or a few words so yeah I think that I think that's basically the question right is he's wondering you know if I'm coming back in the music industry I had a bunch of songs in the 90s how do you recommend kind of coming back nowadays? Quite a different world <laughs> coming back into the music no. industry compared to in the '90s. But yeah, what are what are some thoughts around someone who's kind of in that in that place? Well, I think it depends on how you want to come back in terms of a renewed artist, or more so, more of your the same but finding a new audience. So those two things depend on how you go about things, right? If you still have music like the nineties and you want to be that nostalgia for people and find people who are missing that type of music, then you're definitely just finding those people. And it's not much you have to change aesthetic wise, update maybe sonics and things like that, but, or the production of me a little bit, but you're just going to find those people. Now, if you're looking to reintroduce yourself, all right, and update your sound, that goes back to, how other artists are are finding themselves. Like, so now is that updated sound to like, to the extent that it's not even the same age range anymore, right? So I would love to like really get more context cause I could like really answer a lot more directly. But overall it's truly, again, just understanding what product that you, you have, right? Like that's like, is it nineties music? Is it new, newer style music? 
whatever that looks like, and then finding the audience. It goes back to the same thing, right? And then when you understand what that audience is, what narrative do you want to package yourself into that audience? Like, do you want them to remind you of those old, old folks? My bad for saying it that way, but you know what I mean? Like back in the day, whatever, the nostalgia, or do you want people to see you as this unique artist today that might have some homage towards older um, styles or things like that, but they really see you as some type of innovator standing out today. Those are two entirely different brands. Honestly, being being the more nostalgic is easier to like spark an initial audience and, and build. It's a lot harder to, to go the other way, but both are possible. Mm. Yeah, that, that makes a lot of sense. And yeah, I think it makes sense that you know, that gave me a part of your your story, right? Is that you're kind of like on your comeback, and I think there's probably quite a few people who are you know similar in the sense that they maybe they had musical ambitions or dreams like early on, and then they went. And I think you you mentioned that you had you, know, you became self-employed, you stored and sold cars, and now you're kind of getting back into it. So I think that's kind of an interesting angle just for your story in in general. Is that you know you yeah. you you gave up on this dream or, or, I mean, you don't necessarily have to put it that hard, but, but maybe like, it's sort of like you had this dream and, you know, then life got in the way and now it's like, this is your time to, to really shine and to like, you know, come back to this. And yeah, that, that could, could definitely be a interesting angle to, to go with it. Reiner asked, how would you handle a senior jazz pianist who has an older CD that still gets airplay around the world about to release a new album, but I can't perform live anymore. So a little bit of a similar thing. So it's a, a senior jazz pianist, su- successful older CD that gets airplay around the world. I have a new album coming out. I can't perform live anymore. Yeah, how how should I go about releasing this new? Are you speaking on marketing that new album? I'm going to assume you're speaking on marketing. Kind of sounds like that's where they're yeah. like. He's basically asked like, how would you handle that situation about to release a new album? So yeah, yeah I guess like okay. the brand the branding around releasing the new. The new album? Yeah, so I would one still get footage of you like recording and show people that process. Make it look dope, make make it feel like, you know, honestly, if I'm a senior, I would make it there's a couple of angles that you can go to, but there's an advantage of being a senior, right? There's those two ages. You know, like being young and being old, nobody cares about in between, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of things that you could pay, uh, like take advantage of. You could be a really cool hip singer for whatever that is. You could be a really just like, you know, honest, straightforward, brash singer, and, and what that what's lovable about that. Or you can be a very, you know, humble. Or all those things like are angles that really mean something, and. So when you decide what personality you want to project, I would actually choose like really go hard on one personality direction and then do some brand work around that, whether that's the dress. But fast forward, now let's get into recording videos, uh, record some videos since you can't do it live or and then distribute that like YouTube videos, small, short TikTok videos. That's one angle and make, make sure those get distributed. Each of those have like, smaller tactics in terms of being successful in video format so i won't go deeper into that now but that's another thing so i record make sure i do have footage so people can relate to me see the man behind the other uh, message and then the last thing is i would find a lot of people to be able to copy my my piano playing themselves right so and recreate that i don't know the 
the music also has like words to it if you have singers singing on top of it but like really if you have a certain riff that is really unique really make sure that thing gets known okay it's, it's instrumental so i would have other people playing that same thing all right just like somebody doing a cover of of a song all right you 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 do have people doing covers of your music just playing the instrumental and maybe you're the you're a pianist but that doesn't mean you can't get other people to do it with other in instruments um, as well. So those are a couple of things that I would, I would, I would just, I would do to make sure you start to get the message and the music out there. Awesome. Yeah, super helpful. Cool. So another question here from Jennifer Draper. She asked, nope. "How, how about asking others potential fans to take a journey?" It sounds like the question is basically how we talked about that how important it was to you know be able to get perspective or get feedback and how that can be a way to kind of identify the sharp edge and kind of figure out what is my sharp edge. So maybe the question is, you know, what's the best way to get the the feedback that I need from other people in order to identify what my sharp edge is or what's kind of the angle that I can take with my with my branding? So how to get feedback from other people. Yeah, and maybe it could be, it could also, it doesn't necessarily just have to be from like, like friends or family, but also maybe they could go into like mentorship or guidance or, or basically like, how can they be objective about themselves when they're just getting started and they're still kind of trying to find their unique edge? So a couple of hacks to that, right? Don't just ask your friends, ask your friends to ask their friends, right? You know, try to get as objective as possible and get as far away from your influence as possible. Run some mm -hmm. ads. See if people just don't like it, right? Um, and see if people give you positive feedback. Uh, see if there's the indifference. Indifference can be just as bad, right? Good music is suffers far more than than trash music because trash music at least gets some feedback, <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. So you want people, you want it to not just be good but strike a chord, so that people to the point that people engage and react, right? Mm -hmm. And so those are a couple of things, right? Advertising and and asking friends friends and hopefully getting feedback that's strong right in one way or another mm. awesome. and the best and the most most important thing you can really pay attention to is if they're just saying it's good you know then even if they truly believe that because sometimes that could just be a you know a pass off they don't want to be honest but even if they're just saying that the truth, like, but that's not good enough. That's not a strong enough reaction. And mm. did they just say it's good, or did they say it's good? Hey, can I download that? Right, like, go off of true behaviors, not mm. just the feedback. Uh, like, it's, it's always just saying sales. If someone says, "Oh man, you're a really good salesman," but they don't buy from you, it's still you should not take that compliment <laughs> fully, right? So, so keep that in mind. That's fine. Mm. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah, especially when it comes to you know, having something that stands out or something that, you know, is, is most effective or engaging when it comes to like marketing, like, you know, you don't necessarily just want to be good and kind of blend into the background. Like in some, in some cases, it seems like it's a lot better to have something that is edgy to a certain extent, or it can be edgy where like, because, you know, something is either controversial or something that's like polarizing to some degree, like it does there's something about polarization that like creates energy. Like it, it's, you know, it, it pulls it. It's like a grab uh, attention, attention pocket. So yep. I guess you, you probably don't, you don't have to like intentionally be edgy or controversial just because, you know, you like are trying to stir up the pot. Although that certainly is one strategy, but it seems like in a lot of cases, 
you know, you can, you can authentically or organically create that type of polarization by just putting yourself in the right, um, environments or putting yourself in the right situations where those, like you talked about with like the cultural, you know, movements, like generally, like there tends to be cultural movements happening already, you know, that we can kind of, we can, you know, be a part of, or we can, you know, have our own voices when it comes to some of those movements. But, you know, you don't necessarily have to like artificially create tension, but to your point, it does seem like if you can find what is it about your music that that stands out or that, you know, kind of makes people go, wow, or kind of, you know, creates a reaction, creates engagement, then that could be an angle worth leaning into. And sometimes that polarization can be a good thing. 100%. Cool. Well, I think let's get ready to wrap up, uh, wrap up the conversation here. It's been awesome. Uh, I appreciate you coming on here and being able to geek out and, and talk about, you know, all the things about shedding, shedding the skin and like identity and stuff, the foundation. I think that, that stuff, you know, all of my mentors are like the most successful people at the top of their game. That's the stuff that they geek out about and that they talk about that they focus on because it really like that identity and the act of becoming the person is like, is so core. So super awesome. And for anyone who's here right now that I asked so a few questions in, in the chat from people who said, can you recommend any more um, resources to go deeper on this? Could you share a little bit about maybe some like next steps if anyone wants to dig more into and learn more about what you offer and about the different ways they can be you know involved with the awesome work that, that you're doing? Brandmannetwork.com is a great start, right? Right now we have a wait list, but we should be opening it up for, for free registration. I mean, open registration real soon, but even if you're on a wait list, you'll, you'll probably get it at this point where it is. So if you go to brandmannetwork.com, we have a lot of free resources and community in that space. And... I am always talking about different things, books and things like that, that you can read in terms of branding in that particular space as, as well. Uh, cost basically nothing. I'll type it right yeah, for you. Sure. Then also one of a couple of things that we do offer though, in, in addition to like just the courses and conversations and community there is so I have an agency. So if there's somebody who needs an actual campaign and you're looking for a marketing agency to do all the work, cause you don't want to do it yourself or time. Then we work with indie artists who, from just who are just starting out all the way to you know major labels. The major labels hire us and work some pretty major artists. Then on the other end, it looks like I froze. Uh-oh. Oh, all good. Looking right. at the uh, just scrolling through the the screen share as you Perfect. as you talk here. This looks awesome, dude. This website's really cool. Oh, thanks, man. Thanks. It didn't always look that way. <laughs> it's almost like it's like you know a thing or two about branding or something. It's weird. Yeah, I, I picked up with a couple things. <laughs> uh, and then I would say the last thing is that if anybody helps needs help with TikTok, then I know a lot about TikTok. We've helped a lot of people when it comes to TikTok, uh, but everything basically starts with in our process is understanding who you are, how you want to present yourself and how the marketplace actually sees you right? and figuring out how to hit your goals from there. Mm, very cool. Awesome. Well, yeah, I definitely recommend that, you know, if you're here right now, Alexa thinks I'm talking to her. <laughs> that was weird. If you're right now and this is this has been valuable. Also, let's do like a quick round of applause for Sean. Like, <laughs> hey, thanks for, for coming. To... Yeah, <laughs> so a lot of fun. And yeah, I would definitely recommend going to the website and clicking request access. And if you're accepted, you know, becoming a part of the network. Like we talked about a little bit. The I, I really think there's so much truth to the idea that you become like the five people you surround yourself with. And I know that the mastermind groups that I've um, invested in that I'm a part of 
you know, they've completely changed my life and I wouldn't be who I am if I, if it wasn't for joining networks, like the brand man network to be able to surround myself with yeah. the right people. And honestly, that's how, remember when we were talking about like the sharp edge and, and figuring out the tour hacking angle that happened because I attended a conference that it was essentially like a network, like, like what, what he's offering here with the brand man network, but you know, for online entrepreneurs. And so yeah, it is a really invaluable tool to really find that sharp edge and kind of take the next step. So cool. Awesome, man. Well, thank you again for taking the time to come on here live. It's a lot of fun and I'm sure we'll have a chance to, to talk again more soon. Yeah, but thanks for having me on. You guys asked some awesome questions and hopefully, you know, y'all are in a network and we're helping you that way soon as well. Either way it goes, best of luck to y'all's and y'all's career. Y'all are in good hands here with the modern musician. Thanks, man. Hey, it's Michael here. I hope that you got a ton of value out of this episode. Make sure to check out the show notes to learn more about our guest today. And if you want to support the podcast, then there's a few ways to help us grow. First, if you hit subscribe, then I'll make sure you don't miss a new episode. Secondly, if you share it with your friends or on your social media, tag us. That really helps us out. And third, uh, best of all, if you leave us an honest review, it's going to help us reach more musicians like you who want to take their music careers to the next level. The time to be a modern musician is now, and I look forward to seeing you on our next episode.